Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss, and I'm joined by Henry at Football in DK. We've got a special Danish episode here. The Superligan has finished. The season is under wraps, and it actually gets gets back underway in just a few weeks' time. But uh, Henry, delighted to have you on here, uh, my old pal. Uh, how's things with you? Yeah, cheers. Um, pretty good. I've had had a chance to to unwind after the end of the season and just let it marinate a bit. So hopefully, these thoughts will be a bit more considered than if you'd uh, if you'd got me just after the final whistle of the final game. You always said, I'll give you credit here, that FA Copenhagen were going to win the title. You've always had that on your on your back throughout the whole season, and in the end, you were proven uh, correct. It was. A close finish in the end just before we sort of go in detail thoughts overall from the season did it get your juices flowing how excited were you about this whole campaign so it was great because it was the first full campaign where supporters were back in the stadium so that was superb um i feel like it was super competitive um w- one of the things i was sort of weighing up in my mind was whether the quality of the the league has improved this season or or, or not, there were obviously a huge number of of big name departures, I, and I just don't think there are that many uh, big names still in the league to leave this summer. So I don't think we're going to see a repeat of that. Um, and the conclusion I drew is that I I feel like the league as a whole has got stronger this year. I feel that like, there's been a lot more competition uh the 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 traditionally smaller teams have been taking bigger scalps you know the two promoted teams did exceptionally well um and that came at the expense of the 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 kind of dominance from the from the 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 top two or top three perhaps um but i still think it was an enormously enjoyable season and you know even though it technically it technically went to the final day um i think there needed to be a nine or a ten goal swing on the final day to, to sway it but it did go to the final day and so yeah it was really uh it was really an exciting season for me and also it was the first season where didn't need to scramble around for um uh you know betting sites to to watch games uh it was fully available across um numerous free-to-air platforms to watch in glorious hd so that was a real highlight for me i'm sure you can uh i'm sure you can um empathize with that experience certainly indeed yes it's uh yeah i mean it was it's an interesting season is denmark because um it's the only scandinavian league that runs uh, on a normal European schedule. There is quite a significant winter break, isn't there, Henry? Is it like a month or six weeks? I think, it was, like I think it was 80 days. 80 days, yeah. I mean, it's like, I think the Swiss and the Austrian league has a similar model to that in terms of the fixtures. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, and it also has this split as well for those who might be listening for the first time about the, the Danish league. 12 teams in the division. It's basically like, S, uh, Scottish Premier League, isn't it? It's exactly the same. Am I right in saying or? Yes. So, um, so after twenty-two games, the league splits, and you play ten games um, with uh, the top six in one group and the bottom six in another group. And again, this is something I was uh, I was thinking about this season. And uh, on the one hand, I feel like when you get big derbies like the, like the Copenhagen derby, for example, played four times over the season, it does take away from the kind of spectacle of it the fact that it's happening so often and also you know if they meet in the cup uh then you could potentially get six derbies um over the season which is just um kind of crazy um 
so on the one hand, I feel like a traditional league system would would make those that those big games even more significant. Uh, but on the other hand, when the league splits, you do feel like each game carries a lot more importance. You know, in the relegation group, every game is essentially a six pointer and, and similar kind of vibe in the championship group. And um, this season, we had the the you know, it was the possibility for the top five of uh, six in the championship group to get a place in Europe. So it really meant that those games that in a traditional league system would become, you know, players' heads on the beach with three games to go because they're firmly mid-table. It did mean then that there's still something to play for. So there are pros and cons of the approach, but um, I, uh, uh, on the whole, I think I'm broadly in favour. Yeah, interesting stuff. And um, let's start with the Championship group then, because after the 32 games played, FC Copenhagen won the league 68 points. Michelander on 65, uh, Silkborg on uh, 49 points, and Brundby um, down on 48 there. That rounded up the top four. Alborg in fifth and Randers in sixth place. So the 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 after 22 games before the league split, uh, we had uh, Copenhagen on 48, Michelander on 42, and Brundby on 40. At that stage, it looked... I mean, obviously, FCK looked strong, six clear. That gap was reduced, but it was seemingly nearly a, pretty much a three-horse race. What was your overall feelings for this championship battle? Because, I mean, I know you always had FCK winning it this year, but were you a little bit disappointed with, say, Brundby's defence of their crown? Should Do Michelin have some regrets as well, perhaps, or not? Um, so, well, certainly when we talked last time... Um, we talked about how FC Co were essentially in the in the driving seat since the winter break, um, and that was until uh, until they sort of had this dodgy run towards the end of the season where they won one uh, where they won once in five games. Um, that and that was sort of leading up to our conversation, and so uh, with three games to go, it felt like Michelin had sort of gotten a foot in the door and were were ready to pounce in the event that the FC Co failed to to find form again. Um, and, you know, history has a funny way of repeating itself. Last season, uh, Copenhagen played Michelin at a similar point of the season, knowing that if they won, it would more or less hand the title to their, their arch rivals, Bromby. Um, well, of course, going into this final run with three games to go, Bromby played Michelin, knowing that, you know, if they took any points from Michelin, it would essentially do uh, FC Co a massive favour in the title race uh, and sure enough they got a draw with a very dramatic I think it was 95th minute equaliser uh, and in the same g- game week um, Copenhagen defeated uh, the rather tricky Silkeborg and n- never really looked back from there uh, they won their remaining two games uh, and ended up winning the title in front of their fans on the final day so um, there were certainly times during the season where I, I thought you know, it's essentially a coin toss between between Copenhagen and Michelin, but I just felt that in the end, the um, the superior defence of, of Copenhagen would get them over the line. And yeah, it, it wasn't a major gap by the end, but I think uh, deserved winners. Yes, I mean, if you look at the the home record uh, for FC uh, Copenhagen, they they hardly concede a goal at home, do they? And that fundamentally might be. The, the overall difference there, just uh, nine goals uh, conceded uh, in front of their own fans. But uh, in terms of goals scored, both uh, they actually uh, scored less than Michelin, but not by much, 56 to, to 59 there. 
for those who don't know much about Danish football, um, two or three key players who have been the main men for winning this title for SNK? Well, I think um, uh, obviously starts at the back and uh, Kamil Grabara, uh, formerly of Liverpool. Uh, he was on loan in the league at Aarhus last season and uh, Copenhagen signed him over the summer and he, he's kind of really sort of grown into his role to the point where by the end of the season, I mean, we're going to talk about him a bit later, but by the end of the season, you know, he broke records for, for clean sheets um, and he was really a fundamental part of why they only conceded 19 goals in, in 32 games. So I think, you know, he was very much uh, a, a key man. Um, I would say uh, also Pep Biel, uh, the, the Spanish attacking midfielder. He really had the, the season of his life. Uh, again, we're going to be speaking about him a bit later. Um, and then in terms of uh, a, a standout um, other player, there are a few, uh, you know, at different points of the season, um, you know, Jens Stager uh, was, was chipping in with goals. Uh, Lucas Leriger has be, been fantastic. I think uh, David Kochlava, uh, the centre-back, has also been important. But um, I, I think one of the themes of Copenhagen's season has been the fact that they 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 lost key players throughout it, either to to sales or to injuries, and so really there's been um, people sort of uh, chipping in and and uh, and putting in um, weeks or months at a time of of uh, of effort. But um, I, I'd say that Grabara and Pep Biel have really been the two kind of standout performers this season. But there, there's been lots of other notable ones, Kevin Dix as well. Um, so yeah, they've um, they've really sort of come together. Obviously, Mitchelland did ultimately push them fairly close towards the end, although it never really felt that uh, they were going to uh, beat them. But uh, behind that, I mean, 68 points to 65. It's not a mega amount of points to win a league, is it? It's not bad uh, after 32 games. But, I mean, eight draws and four defeats for FCK. It's not exactly vintage, is it? But below that, we've got Silkeborg on 49 points and Brundby. Uh, who in the defence of their crown just in uh, in fourth place? Disapp are you a bit disappointed that no other team could get to fifty points this year? Um, I think given how the season panned out, I mean you, you have you have to remember with Bromby they lost um, they lost Jesper Lindstrom last summer, uh, who was their kind of probably their probably their star player, uh, and then in January they sold their top scorer. Um, not only top scorer from the previous season, but but leading the way in the in the top goal scorer for for the current season, uh, Mikel Jura went to uh, Philadelphia in in MLS. So over the course of the season, they kind of lost their two key players, um, and they ha had a, a really quite a poor start to the season. They were obviously playing in Europe, uh, and that wasn't helping them at all. Um, and th they went on this terrible run, and then towards the end of the season, they really kind of brought it back and, and put together a run of seven or eight pretty good games. Uh, we're starting to find their feet. And I feel like w when they add a, a competent goal scorer, because um, they they really struggled for goals, um, when they add a competent goal scorer, which surely will happen this, this summer, I think they'll be more competitive. Um, so g given the circumstances they found themselves in, lots of injuries, there were some um, COVID absences as well throughout the season. I mean, the same goes for lots of teams, but that they were um, uh, particularly hard hit from memory. Uh, given how everything transpired, I would say fourth is actually pretty good. And it was it was a very competitive season. There were lots of good teams kind of in that zone. So yes, I would say um, I would say uh, 
I'm not massively disappointed with with how they performed. I think it was probably uh, on a par for the squad and the team they had. Bit of praise for Mitchell and Nan. Second place, solid performance. They won the Danish Cup, didn't they, as well, Henry, um, on penalties, I do believe. So for them, was that an acceptable campaign? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think winning the Cup uh, is uh, a, a sort of um, a, a good second prize uh, for the season. And um, I, I definitely think that I definitely think they ran FC Co close. Uh, certainly the addition of uh, Anders Dreyer, who uh, is, is a player they sold sort of a few weeks into the season, and he was looking he was looking fantastic. They sold him to, uh, I believe it was Ruben Kazan, uh, and obviously all the, the kind of the foreign uh, players from the Russian league have been finding other teams. And so he came back to Michelin and was probably their, probably their, if not their best player in, in the top three for the season, uh, despite missing so much of it uh, by transferring. And I think he really sort of kick-started uh, their attempts to, to, to get back into the title race. Um, and, you know, the, the, they're a very good team, man for man. Um, they're pretty close to, to, to Copenhagen. Uh, so it, it doesn't surprise me that they came so close. Um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting seeing whether either either they or, or, or Copenhagen or both of them can get into the, the Champions League group stage next season. Because I really think the I really think the Danish league needs a needs a team in the Champions League next season, um, having had none this season. You might not know the answer to this, and I'm putting you right on the spot here, Henry. But at what stage do both of those enter the qualifying for the Champions League? Do you know at all? I think I do know this actually. I think uh, Copenhagen go in as the seeded team in the final playoff round. Right. Uh, so I would give them uh, at least a fifty percent chance of progressing. Looking at the the, the the unseeded teams that they're potentially up against, and I believe Michelin join at the second uh, qualifying stage. So they would need to play uh, second, third, and then playoff. So uh, six matches in theory, to get into the group stage. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I was I, mean, I was looking at Buda Glimpse Twitter today, and they were showing the pathway uh, for these uh, rounds and what happens if you win or lose or, what, or whatnot. I mean, for them to, to reach the group stage, they've got to get through four matches. So eight legs, basically. So uh, it's a, it is easier for the Super League. Of course, it has a much better coefficient overall than yeah. uh, Sweden or Norway, so that helps. It does for next season, but I believe the following season the um, the, the coefficient place drops out of the top fifteen, and I think the top fifteen is kind of where where the magic happens. But between fifteen and twenty, you that you then go back or lose a place or or something. So um, we really need some more teams to be putting uh, coefficient points on the board. This uh, season just gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. FC Code did much of the heavy lifting, um, but. Uh, as we'll talk about later, there were some teams who, who, who bombed out quite early. Yeah, I mean, Randers did their best, didn't they? I suppose, give them a bit of credit. But um... They were fantastic. I mean, the, the, you know, they made it through to the knockout stages uh, of a European tournament uh, that they, uh, you know, for a team of their size and, and spending, that's, uh, you know, arguably the achievement in, uh, in Europe from any uh, Danish team this season. Yeah, fair play to them. Um, let's talk about the, the bottom half of the table then, the relegation group. Final placings, Reborg, uh, 44 points, only eight defeats, which is, I think, the third fewest in the whole uh, division. OK, maybe it doesn't really 
quite count because they did uh, play in this relegation group. But nevertheless, that is impressive. Odense on 38 points, uh, Norgeland on uh, 36, Aris on 30 points. That seems pretty poor for them this year. Just survived by one point. Vele, Vele, I always get these two. I can't pronounce these Vila. two. You're going to tell us which two teams went down automatically because I never get these two right. Yes, it was Vila and Sonyuska. Vila, that's it. Sonyuska. Anyway, really, my question, my first question here is just how poor is the bottom half of the table in the Danish Super League, would you say, overall? I mean, how to answer that question? I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I, would, I would say, Vibor, taking Viborg, for example, that they were promoted uh, this, um, to the Superliga, you know, this, uh, this previous season. Um, and they not only lost their, their main number nine, who was um, their top scorer at the time, uh, he, he was sold in, in January. They also lost their manager mid-season. Uh, so um, uh, uh, Aalborg took um, took their manager, Lars Fries, midway through the season, um, which, you know, lo- lose, your, lose your manager who got you there and lose your, your number nine. You're going to struggle. And they still managed to uh, not only win the relegation group, but they also won the, uh, the, the playoff to get into Europe. So they're going to be playing in Europe next season. Uh, which is an extraordinary achievement. Um, so, I would say that at the you, you know the, the top two teams, uh, I think Odense and um, and and Viborg, I think you know with different cir- different circumstances, uh, could have uh, could have nabbed that sixth spot uh, and sort of made it into the championship group. But below that, I would say yeah, the standard this season um, of those bottom four teams wasn't great, and the the two teams that got relegated. They were both. Um, they, they they looked pretty much dead and buried before the winter break, and they came back from that winter break. And both teams really, uh, you could really tell they were they were fighting for their lives at that point. And it looked like something had changed over that period. And they came back and were were playing with much more intensity. They were uh, starting to get results. Um, and ultimately, it was it was too little, too late. Uh, but there was definitely some encouragement there. And if if you'd asked me in uh, over the winter break, you know, do you think you can find a shred of encouragement from these teams this season? I, w- I wouldn't have said so, but they they really turned it around, and uh, you know, in the end, um, there was only one point gap uh, between Arus and 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 Viola. So it could have been, you know, a couple more rounds, and it could have been quite different. Would you say this is where the Danish Super League system is justified in having only 12 teams? Because, I mean, every single year I moan and I groan about the Alsvenskan in particular, how shockingly poor the, the bottom three or four are. And even in the Litaserian, it, it can be similar. You know, 16 team leagues, both of those. You've got the Danish league here, it's a better coefficient has only 12 teams. Um, Finland has the same, I think, and so does Iceland and the Faroes. Do they even have 12 teams? Probably not. But, uh, I mean, is this where perhaps it is justified to have just 12? Yeah, I think so. I think it, it, it feels like the right number to me. Um, I think that the, the fact that um, only two go up and two go down uh, keeps... I mean, the, the first division is extremely competitive. Uh, I think, as we talked about last time, there were, there were teams... Um, there were four or five teams within a couple of points jostling for position. So 
Um, I, I, I think it feels about right to me. Um, and, you know, some of the teams who were, who were down in that relegation group were, um, were, were pushing for European places, uh, in some cases got European places last season. So things can change season by season um, because the, uh, the, the financial disparity, I think, between top and bottom is nowhere near as, as large as it is in um, uh, the, the kind of the top European leagues. Yeah, it's very it's an interesting debate. I actually think Denmark might have this right, and uh, I know there's been talk in Norway of maybe changing to a similar sort of system, where you end up, you know, with the league split and things like that, and reducing the teams. It might work better. It might help in terms of quality. So now this is where I'm going to talk about overachievers and underachievers here, Henry. I'll let you have two teams if you want. It can be only one. But name me your sort of overachievers this year and the teams who have underachieved. So the overachievers, there can only be one, and it's uh, Silkeborg um, into third place, having just been promoted this season. And uh, they, they kind of entered the league this season, and they, they sort of started off as kind of like hard-to-beat draw merchants. I think they, their first three results were all nil-nil. I was thinking, you know, what can we expect from this team? Are they just going to play back to the wall the whole time? Um, but they, as the season went on, they started clicking and they didn't just become hard to beat, but they they started looking like a really exciting attacking team. Um, and, you know, it kind of really started clicking after the winter break and they started rising up through the, through the table. Um, they beat uh, FC Co 3-1 in April. And, you know, th- this is a team... Uh, Copenhagen conceded 19 goals all season, right? So that one that one result accounted for over 15% of the goals they conceded all season. They spent zero euro, according to transfermarket.com, they spent zero euros last summer. Okay, uh, they they sold they sold no one. They spent nothing. They did a few free transfers, and they're in their whole current squad. Um, there are only two current full internationals, and that's. Uh, uh, Kalisir from Armenia and uh, Thordarsson from Iceland. So they're not a team stacked with household names. They're not a team stacked with internationals. They haven't spent big. Uh, the, 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 kind of, the key to their success has really been uh, Kent Nielsen. Uh, and again, we're going to talk about top managers later, but uh, Kent Nielsen has just done absolute wonders with this team. Um, and the, what's interesting is that they don't. They kind of buck the trend of in modern football. It's become like super trendy to be a pressing team. Silkeborg do not press, um, but they don't need to. They're the highest possession side in the league, uh, and they've got this dynamic front three um, with uh, a deep lying midfielder at the base of uh, a midfield three pulling the strings, and they're just a glorious team to watch. And I think that, I think that you know that they're they're into the Europa League next season uh, as a result of. Michelin winning the, the cup, it, it basically granted them a spot in the Europa League rather than the, um, the, the Conference League. And I think that they're going to catch some teams cold next season. I think they could be next season's Bodo Glimpse. They've got, um, if they can, keep their, they can keep the core of their team together, they've just been so exciting to watch. They play on a, um, a synthetic pitch, uh, which again is a big advantage for them. Uh, when they're you know entertaining uh, teams from Europe. In fact, I'm not even sure if you can use a synthetic pitch in Europe. So 
I might have got that one. <laughs> that advantage might disappear. But um, yeah, for me, they've been massive overachievers. I think just staying in the league for a promoted team um, is really uh, uh, should be the top objective. And they've um, more than delivered on that. And yeah, they've just been superb to watch. And I'm going to go out to Denmark in August and I'm really hoping that um, the fixtures fall, that I can, uh, I can see them uh, in the flesh. You certainly can play on artificial services in Europe, Buda Glimt. Uh, just ask uh, Jose Mourinho. Oh, yeah, okay. What he thinks of uh, <laughs> artificial services. So that they certainly won't lose that advantage there. But, I mean, that's interesting, of course. I mean, how, how big a shock was them finishing third? I mean, I don't know where you had them in your pre-season predictions, uh, Henry, or the general media had them in, in the pre-season. I think most people had them somewhere between ninth and 12th. Uh, really? To, to, to be honest, just... Well, just because... It's a huge shock, then. I think nobody really... Nobody can really guess how a promoted team is going to be, but the expectation is always that uh, that the level up is significant. And I think that given they didn't... Um, given they didn't, you know, make a load of transfers or, or at least bring in lots of people with, uh, with uh, significant Super League experience, I think people felt like this could be a case of a team that's, you know, too good for the division below, but can't quite cut it at super league level but i think actually what it shows is just having the, just the value of having uh, a manager who can uh, get more than the sum of uh, the, the sum of the parts out of the team and has a real sort of uh, clear um, system that he likes to play and yeah it was just um it was just such a breath of fresh air watching them uh, and, and watching them you know go to go to the bigger teams in the league and not just sit back, but, but go on the front foot and, and try and keep the majority of possession and uh, look to create opportunities. And yeah, superb. They, they do sound like an interesting team. So sort of, would you recommend them for a neutral out there who's wants to kind of get into Danish football as someone different to follow things or something like that? Absolutely. Yeah. For, for next season, that certainly they feel like uh, they've, feel very much like the hipster's choice because um, for, for sure very few people out of Denmark will have uh, will have clocked that uh, them as a team or, or, or certainly seen them play. Um, so, yeah, I, I would keep a, a strong eye on them. They've got um, a couple of really interesting uh, sort of younger players, uh, kind of early 20s coming through. And, yeah, the, the, the football is just superb to watch. So I would say they are, uh, they are potentially... <laughs> Uh, the the kind of FC Nordjylland of a couple of years ago. They sound like they kind of live up to their name, silky smooth sort of football, Henry. You know, um, but <laughs> an interesting side for yeah. sure. Um, Definitely the overachiever of the season, clear overachiever of the season, very much and and fully deserved. Yeah, and how about an underachiever or even two? Uh, right. Well, I think. Unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because I, I don't want to sound like I'm I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm being harsh on them because I really I really like their approach. Uh, I like I like them as a club, FC Norgeland. Uh, but honourable mention to them because I think finishing ninth uh, is definitely below their their true level of talent. That there were mitigating circumstances. Obviously, they they're by far and away the youngest team in in the league, I believe. Um, and that kind of lack of experience was addressed in the January window. They brought in the, the Randers captain, uh, Eric Markson, um, and uh, a couple of other players, uh, Hansen, the, the goalkeeper, um, 
from from Alborg, and uh, they they addressed that. So they, the the way they finished the season wasn't um, wasn't uh, disgraceful by any means. They, they sort of uh, it was clear, I think, that the ship had been turned round. But um, certainly, I didn't have them finishing ninth, and I think that they will uh, want to get back into the championship group as quickly as next season. Um, but for me, there's only one winner in terms of underachievers, uh, and it's got to be Arus. They finished uh, a point above relegation. Um, they got knocked out of Europe in the first round by uh, a team called Lan from, from Northern Ireland. Um, that was over two legs as well. So it w- wasn't just like one disaster game. Uh, they were they were beaten fair and square. Um, they only won six games all season. Uh, and they've only had one win this calendar year. And even that one, they were 2-0 down and only won with a, a 92nd minute goal. They've... Uh, had the second fewest goals scored, um, the fewest shots on target per match uh, of any team, the fewest big chances created of any team, the fewest accurate passes per match. So, you, you know, almost any metric you look at. Bloody um, hell, there's two teams worse than them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, believe it or not. Um, and th- the thing is, you know, going into this season, I mean, relative to Superliga terms, but it felt like there was quite significant investment in the team. Uh, they brought in a, a striker, um, uh, Kermanowski, who sort of came in with this real goal-scoring reputation. Uh, he's got two goals in 25 appearances in Superliga. Uh, they bought um, uh, Eric Karl from uh, from Icor in, in the Allsvenskan. And uh, to be fair, I mean, 1.3 million, 1.3 million euros is a lot of money for a Superliga team. Um to be fair, he was actually one of their better players, um, but there's a limit to what a left-back can do. Um, they bought uh, Mikhail Anderson for $1.7 million from from Michelin. Um, and, of course, Jack Wilshire came in in January, and, you know, he, he still hasn't won a game. He's had 14 games. He's still not been on the winning side. Um, and at the end of the season, they they, they parted ways with, with David Nielsen, who you know was very popular with the fan base. Uh, personally, sad to see him go. Um, you know, he's cl- clearly a good guy. He got, uh, the, it, it was, it was uh, the, you know, the fans were, were told that he was going to be parting ways before the final game. So he got this great send-off. But really, it was an abject season all round from, from Arus. And g- given how last season panned out, uh, you know, where they, where they, they won the, the European playoff at the end and, uh, and got into Europe and, and looked like, a, you know, looked like one of the top teams. It's uh, it's really been abject from them this season. Yeah, that sounds like a really poor campaign. It kind of reminds me of what Brann did in Norway, actually. Um, a team that was perhaps expected to do an awful lot better, uh, decent reputation. And, of course, in Brann's case, they actually ended up going getting relegated. But Aris survived by the skin of the teeth by one point. Yeah. We will have a, a little break right now. Uh, join us after the interval, though, because we're going to have uh, Henry's uh, team of the season. We're also going to have his suggestions for manager of the season, stuff like that, and looking ahead briefly towards next season. So see you after the break. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. We've got a Danish Super League season review here with Henry. 
at football in DK. Henry, are you enjoying this review so far, my friend? Yeah, it's nice. Having, having spent so much time uh, watching games, thinking about games, talking about games, uh, it's nice to sort of reflect on it as a, an entire body of uh, matches and, uh, and sort of think about how, the, how it all panned out and the, the highs and the lows. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a nice reflection. It is. It certainly is, you know, um, in, indeed. And now we're going to move on to your team of the year. And I, you, you sent me this over just before we went um, on air. And I didn't see this tweet back in, in May somehow. It uh, it didn't uh, it escaped my attention, let's say, because the formation here is, uh, well, let's just say um, it, it's almost football manager-esque in its experimentations. Um, we've got three centre-backs, two centre-midfielders, in your words, four attacking midfielders, and a striker. Let's call it 3-2-4-1. It's a very intriguing thing uh, indeed. So, um, I mean, that's... I mean, first of all, I'm guessing this is just to get in the, the players that you that you feel deserve to be the best 11 the whole season. Yeah, Uh Good, good managers should have a formation and then pick players to it. Uh, I am not a good manager, so I have I'm letting the players lead the way here. And that if there's any position uh, where there was uh, uh, just a lot of competition for, for places in the team of the season, it was at that you know attacking midfield slash uh, wide forward uh, position, and so. I found the one formation I can where I can crowbar four of them in uh, with two more traditional central midfielders behind. The good news is there weren't that many strikers to choose from this season. And so I was able to, I was able to go there. Um, and three defenders, one of which is actually a left-back, but I've asked him to fill in at centre-back so that he can be in the team of the season. Uh, and let's hope he obliges. Okay, well, let's start with the goalkeeper then. And you've gone with Grabara. We talked about him briefly earlier. Um, it's fairly self-explanatory, this one, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, and to, to be honest, in the first, uh, first, say first couple of months of the season, I've got to be honest, I wasn't convinced. Um, uh, he, he, he's very much a kind of uh, agility keeper rather than like a you know a colossus commanding his area. Um, and I, I was kind of pleasantly surprised to be wrong as he comfortably grew into to, to, to being the top goalkeeper in the league um, over the season. He broke um, a record uh, for going the most number of minutes without conceding. So he went 704 minutes uh, at one point in the season without conceding. He made his debut for Poland during the season and you know, Poland have a lot of good goalkeepers. If you think, you know, Fabianski, you've got Wojciech Czesny. Um, so uh, unseating uh, them for a, for a place in the Poland team is fantastic. And I think that, you know, looking back on it, 23 clean sheets in 44 appearances, um, as well as having the highest save percentage, uh, again, by some distance, uh, close to 80%. Um, it really just, it really just paints a picture of, what was a fantastic first season for him in, in Copenhagen? Who would be your subkeeper if you had to pick one? Uh, it would be uh, Jakob uh, Rinner from uh, from Alborg. I think he was, for much of the season, I think Alborg went into 
a bit of a, um, a nosedive towards the end of the season. And I think that that kind of blotted his copybook a little bit, but he was outstanding for most of the season. So I think he would be my, um, he'd be my, my number two. Brilliant. So we've got uh, three centre-backs in this formation. We've got Sorensen, Sviachenko, and Kochalova. You, you never make my life easy for you in these <laughs> podcasts. We've got Amishoy Mistrati later as well. At least I know how to pronounce it. But, um, okay, so we know Sorensen can also play left-back, right? Or he's m- mainly a left-back? He is a left-back. I've just used him as centre-back for this uh, okay. Frankenstein formation. But, yeah, it, uh, of all the defenders, he's the one who is first on my team sheet. Um, primarily for his contribution uh, in the uh, attacking third. So he created 118 chances this year, uh, which was the top chance creator in the whole league uh, and by a significant distance. So he had 118. Second place was 73 (laughs) and then 69. So I mean, like he was a chance creation machine. He got eight assists, uh, which was only good enough for third in the league. Um, But his... uh, XA, if you believe in that as a stat, expected assists was 14.2. Um, you know, v- Viborg finished the, finished with the, the second highest XG in the league uh, and only FC Michelin missed more big chances than them. So uh, kind of one of the stories of Viborg season is how poor they were in converting their chances, but th- they created a hell of a lot of them and Sorensen was... Uh, a huge part of that down the left-hand side. Christian uh, Sorensen, for, for those who are wondering, at V-Borg here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, mostly... Is he sort of left wing-back then, would you say, he mostly plays? Or um, I mean, he... he uh, yeah, I, I think he plays in more of a back four, but he, he he's certainly in the wing-back mould, yeah. You could you could see him playing, uh, playing almost as a left midfielder. Um, he's that good uh, on the ball and uh, sort of... Um, Getting getting space to put crosses in. Uh, he's he's also got a pretty good throw on. Um, yeah, he, he's he's just been the the kind of the standout left back this season for me. Uh, so he was uh, a very obvious addition to the team of the season. Sviachenko and Kochalova, a couple of players from the top two there. Tell us a little bit more about their campaigns. Yeah, they're, they're kind of. Uh, Cut from a similar cloth, they're, they're, they're very much kind of like blood and thunder centre-backs, um, all action, all energy, um, and uh, lead by example. Um, Sviatchenko also, you know, he does pop up with a goal. Uh, I think he got four goals in the league this season. Um, but he, he, he was superb. You know, he, he's, he's the captain for, for Midtjylland, and uh, I think that he, he gives attackers nightmares whenever they play him because he is just so in your face and aggressive and uh, a really kind of imposing force. Uh, Kochalava was interesting because um, Victor Nelson uh, was one of my favourite defenders in, in the league prior to departing for Galatasaray in the summer. He left and obviously that left uh, quite a significant gap in the FC Co defence and so Kochalava came in last summer from uh, Shakhtar Donetsk uh, and I think that brought you know some very top level experience it's a very different player to nelson um uh, as i said far more physical um less kind of calm and composed but i think that the trade-off for that is that kind of energy you get and that was really infectious um he was the the 
the top defender alongside uh, Piesinger from, from Randers in interceptions. You know, he's getting 2.4 interceptions per game. Um, but the, the, the one thing I would say about him is that it can be a little bit rash, uh, 10 yellow cards over the season. Um, but I, I think w- what both him and Sviatchenko do is, you know, there's a number of young players in both of those teams. And I think that it's so valuable to have a player like that, particularly at centre-back, um, that really sort of like calms everyone down that, <laughs> that you know, you've got this kind of like warrior alongside you. Um, and so, yeah, the, the, the two of them were, for me, they're like the standout centre-backs. Although there were some honourable mentions, but um, I think that, you know, a centre-back from each of the top two clubs uh, is a good way to go. Yeah, that certainly makes uh, makes some sense there. There's um, obviously no right-back or in, in this side. Is that just because it's not been a great year for right-backs or are you simply just wasn't room for one? <laughs> Uh, I, I did actually toy with a, a more traditional uh, formation that had uh, Kevin Dix at right back, um, uh, again from FC Copenhagen. I think he was uh, he was extremely good in the first half of the season. Um, he was chipping in with with goals, lots of assists, um, and looked like a, a, a really uh, a really solid upgrade at right back. Um, an in, injury to Victor Christiansen, who's the, the the Copenhagen left back, meant that uh, for the, the the kind of business end of the season he was filling in at left back and I do think that having a wrong footed um, uh, fullback g- gives uh, quite a big disadvantage especially when you know Kevin Dix is such a, a prolific um, crosser of the ball uh, down that right hand side and, and cutbacks and so uh, taking that away from someone's game uh, does nullify uh, a key strength so uh, I think he missed out um, partly because I, f- I felt that a fourth attacking midfielder was uh, probably more deserving, but he, he was very close to, to making the cut as a, a, a traditional right-back. There's two central midfielders in your team here. We've got Mark Brink and Evander. Let's start. I'm going to start with Brink, actually. I feel like it could be all sorts of puns uh, made up with this name. Um, <laughs> I've just looked at him and he's, he's an um, Silkborg uh, midfielder here. Yeah, so um, Silkeborg's front three are the ones who who have uh, you know attracted most headlines this uh, this season. But Mark Brink's been such a, an important part of that system. Um, he is uh, he's almost the, the feeder for that that front three. Um, he doesn't he doesn't get assists. I think he got one assist all season. It was it was an absolute beaut. It was a kind of like Beckham esque um, sort of deep cross into the box, but. Uh, that side he doesn't get a lot of assists, but he's so key to to to, to keeping that that front three uh, provided with service. Um, he's uh, he, he's first in the league for for most accurate passes um, per game, so about or you know close to a pass a minute. Um, and I saw a chart that that Bashir Ali, who's at Bashir OPS on on Twitter, uh, go follow him. Uh, he's great. Um, but I I saw a ch- chart that he had put together and it showed just what an elite ball progressor he's been this season um you know head and shoulders uh, above the the competition and he really feels like a, a, a almost like a throwback central midfielder kind of in the mold of a, a shabby alonso or a pirlo who who sits deep but isn't uh, isn't necessarily a ball winner is much more of a ball player and yeah he's uh, he's been uh, a, a really key part of that team so 
Uh, Evander then is the other midfielder, and I saw a recent tweet from you suggesting that he might be far too good for the Danish Superliga now. Um, so I'm guessing this is a serious candidate for even player of the season. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's phenomenal. I, I was surprised he didn't go last summer, and I think that um, I could I could certainly see him going this summer for you know in excess of, of 10 million euros. I think he's that good. He's um, he's got this kind of uh, beautiful combination of he's a really elegant player to watch. Uh, he's Brazilian, so he's got that kind of natural um, uh, sort of flair that comes with being a Brazilian midfielder. Um, but he's also super productive. You know, he got uh, he was the third top scorer in the league last season from central midfield. Got twelve goals, six assists, uh, second in both chances and big chances created. And what's great about him is that, you know, he's got a long range goal in him all the time. So he's always a threat from from outside the box. But also he's fantastic at set pieces, uh, really press resistant, um, superb close control. He's just an all round great kind of um, more attacking uh, central midfielder. But, you know, played in a a, uh, central midfield three as the more attacking of the three. He's... um, uh, yeah, he, he's he's been uh, a real standout player, but both in the league and for Michelin. So I think he's 24 uh, to, uh, around there. So for me, this, this he, he's the kind of the next uh, 10 million plus transfer uh, from the league. Yeah, it sounds like he's a major, major candidate for that. He makes your team of the season. Uh, now, these four attacking midfielders and one striker, the strikers of Ennius will come to him later we've got pet beal we've got uh sebastian jorgensen hamashoi mistrati who you of course interviewed uh, on the nordic football po- podcast and uh there's one of the who am i missing here prip, prip, Luca prip. Yeah. yeah he's the fourth uh, player so i mean this these these sound like very exciting players uh henry and uh, pet beal didn't he just win your goal of the uh season yeah, he, he did. It's, uh, that was the match I watched with you, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Incredible. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, so, so yeah, I did. Um, I I took all the official goal of the goal of the weeks throughout the entire season, uh, which was a shame because there were certain times where I felt the best goal that week didn't win the official vote. But that aside, I took all of the official goal of the weeks and pitted them against one another in a, a World Cup style competition and. Pet Biel's goal against Brondby um, from from well outside the box uh, in round twenty six, I believe it was, um, was the, the the winning goal. Uh, and yeah, he's he's arguably been player of the season, uh, for, you know, across the whole league. Certainly, certainly the leading player for for Copenhagen in a championship winning season. Um, and I think that for, for him personally, he's had the season of his career. He's um he's really kind of stepped in to to create that that goal threat. Um, he's got the most shots on target per ninety in the, across the whole league at, at one point eight, and that's led to fifteen goals and nine assists across all competitions. Uh, he scored four in four derby matches uh, this season, uh, including that goal of the season. Um, but there was a, another one that was in the goal of the season semi final. Um, which is which was in the other derby against Bromby. So uh, he, he's both uh, a, a scorer of 
number of goals, uh, a score of great goals, but also uh, a score of goals in important matches. And I think that uh, that last one is particularly significant. Um, and he's quite quite versatile as well. So he's been he's been played in a number of different positions, uh, uh, sort of in and around that front line. Um, so yeah, he's a, a, a an absolute certainty for team of the season. Predominantly, is he playing a straight A mid, or does he drift a bit wide? He, he's really he's really um, I mean he's played but he's played in the sort of ten role behind the striker. He's played on the right hand side. Uh, I believe he's. Uh, I believe he's even played uh, some minutes on the left, but I think most of the time he's uh, he's either on the right or just behind the striker. Uh, he has um, also played false nine, I believe, at some point. So uh, he, he's super versatile. But I think that his kind of favoured position is probably just behind the striker. Interesting stuff. Spaniard, uh, who cost uh, five million pounds from uh, Real Zaragoza. Yeah, that was a that was a league record at the time, I believe. Yeah, three years ago now. So, um, is he a candidate to move on, or he, you know, is he very happy? Do you think at FCK? Well, yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. I feel that because they paid five five million for him, uh, and because it's quite hard to extract big fees uh, from, you know, even for even for the top players, it's very. I mean, the, the transfer records. 15 million euros. So I feel like the return they're going to get on, on, uh, on selling him, you know, how much, how much they likely to get. I mean, I guess they could get sort of between eight and 10 million. Um, but it, it feels like the return on investment isn't going to be as significant as with uh, many other players. So I, I do wonder if they might hang on to him, uh, particularly since he seems to have, um, uh, you know, found his feet in, in Copenhagen in a big way. Uh, you wonder whether it would make sense for him to, to kind of see through a, a potentially a Champions League campaign. Let's move on to a right winger here, Sebastian Jorgensen from Silkeborg. He's um, he's one of their own. He's from their own youth academy. He's like the Harry Kane of Silkeborg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, for, for Silkeborg, uh, the... the there's another there's another player Nikolai Valleys, uh, and you could have easily had him in this front four as well. He he was fantastic, and it's hard to talk about Jorgensen without talking about Valleys because they they almost um, uh, they, they work together so well and they interchange so well. Uh, I went with Jorgensen in the end, um, but it was you know a toss of a coin. Um, but he was uh, a really key part of that Silkeborg front line. Um, and just so so dangerous in his ability to uh, to kind of go down the right or drop inside, and th- there was quite a kind of fluid interchange of, of uh, positions as a, a as a uh, a move was building um, in that Silkeborg team. So I mean, Jorgensen himself uh, was fourth in chances created per ninety. He, he finished the season with uh, twenty goals and assists. So like uh, I think it was nine assists um, and eleven goals. Um, and yeah, he, he's just, uh, he's, he's 21. So he's obviously there's, there's more to come. Uh, but he was such a key part of, of Silkeborg, um, uh, getting third. And I think that, yeah, as, as I said earlier, I think him and Valleys in particular are going to really catch teams, um, unaware next season in Europe. We have got Luca Pripp. Uh, from Alborg, uh, in your, uh, I like um, players who 
you know, Artborg is the only player in your team this season from Artborg. So he must be doing something really good to get in in this side. Uh, striker, left winger, is that a, a good description of him? He's had a good season. Yeah, m- more of a left winger than a um, th- th- than a striker for sure. Uh, he uh, he's fourteen goals and four assists this season. So I mean, unbelievable from him. Um, at one point, there was even some some calls for him to m- maybe sort of be involved in the national team. Uh, but he ran the show for for Alborg this season um, and was just a constant threat with that left foot of his. Um, you know, he, he typically kind of will will pick the ball up. Um, uh, just outside the area and you know he can shoot from distance he can create he can dribble um he's got it all so yeah he was at the heart of uh everything that was going well for for Alborg uh, last season and I feel that um with Lars Fries coming in I, I feel like that attacking system is only going to get more potent so um yeah he's going to be uh, an interesting one to watch for next season but certainly uh, a worthy member of team of the season this season the final member of this quartet of uh, attacking midfielders, we're calling them Vito Hamashoy Mistrati, who you yourself, Henry, interviewed uh, for us on, Nord- on the Nordic Football Podcast. Check back. I can't remember exactly which number episode it was for this season, but it was a great uh, um, interview there with the, the, the Randers uh, captain, who's now moved on, actually, to uh, Romanian side, Cluj. Uh, this one kind yeah. of caught me out. This is, I mean... <laughs> He's Danish, so it's not like uh, this, this. This transfer certainly uh, surprised me. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe in, in Romania, maybe they've come into a few quid or so. But let's just focus on his um, performances in the Superliga uh, this year, and, and he was uh, a great talent. Yeah. Um, in fact, I can answer. I can well. I can sort of answer that question. That uh, why Kluge? So firstly, they activated his his release clause, uh, and I believe that in I believe that the re- release clause was set sort of fairly low, uh, almost as a, a kind of um, uh, incentive to sign the mo- more recent contract, that they've just won the league in Romania. So I think there's a, there's a, a reasonable chance that they'll um, uh, make the Champions League. Although, interestingly, they're one of the unseeded teams in the playoff round, so they could end up playing uh, Copenhagen. Uh, so that would, be, that would be interesting. But yeah, I, on the podcast, uh, he actually talked about how, you know, he was approaching 30 and uh, wanted to experience, you know, uh, another league, uh, potentially another culture, and he he, he said on the podcast, um, you know, Japan and, and Korea have interested him particularly. Um, now, c- clearly, uh, Kluge um, sort of got in there uh, before any of those other teams, but um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really interesting experience for him, and just like on a on a kind of uh, as a per- as a kind of personal experience, I think it's going to be really interesting for him to go to a new league and and um have all these kind of new experiences uh you know playing at stadiums that he um hasn't necessarily been to before and you know rand has played kludge in the um uh in the conference league last season so perhaps that played some part in why uh dan petrescu uh decided to make a move for him three hundred and sixty thousand pounds according to transfer mark i mean this looks an absolute snip I, yeah. can't be- I cannot believe no team in even Scandinavia is coming to meet this, this trans. Maybe he wouldn't have gone there, but this is a heck of a deal for Cluj, isn't it? It's a, it's a fantastic deal. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> I mean... He, <laughs> what are his big strengths, would you say, though? I mean, what are they getting out of him? Well, uh, 
so, so, so last season he, he got nine goals and three assists, uh, which is a very decent return, um, you know, across all competitions. But I think that doesn't really tell the, the, the full story of, of his strengths. Um, the, the manner of his performances last season was so impressive. You know, he took the captaincy on mid-season uh, and really kind of led by example. He played out of position a lot. You know, Randers had a lot of um, injuries, so uh, he was playing across that, that front three. Um, at times he was playing as a striker. Um, which isn't his favourite position, but you know he was uh, he, he he was really kind of grafting there, um, and he's just a uh, like a super energetic, tireless, tireless competitor. Leaves nothing on the pitch. I think he said in the podcast actually he's consistently you know the player on the on the team who runs the most by the end of the game. You know that, that they've they've got all that tracking software and they can see that. Um, and on top of that, he's one of the best pressing attacking players in the league um, in terms of final third pressures uh, gets 1.3 per game. And I, I think that puts him, uh, you know, among the, the, the very top. So he's a, he's a real hard worker, fantastic attitude and, um, uh, and took on that leadership role with aplomb. He, he led Randers, you know, in Europe uh, in what was a, a famous campaign for them and in the league. And he delivered or was part of the team that delivered the cup the, the season before. So I think that he's, he's uh, put together a fantastic body of work at, at Randers. And last season in particular, he, uh, he, was, uh, he was really superb. Um, did that fantastically cheeky back heel assist uh, when Randers beat um, Copenhagen towards the, the end of the season at Parken. So yeah, he, he, uh, he takes the final midfield spot um, and uh, yeah, w- w- wish him well on the move. And uh, yeah, it'll be, Sad to lose him from the league, but I, I think it's going to be a great experience for him. We certainly wish him all the best. And uh, there's one player to talk about in your team of the season here, Nicholas Hellenius from uh, Silkeborg, the top scorer in the in the league, I do believe, for Henry. Is that, is that right? 17 goals yeah. um, overall. And I've just looked back at his history and I no, no idea he actually was signed by Aston Villa. Back in the day, for one and a half million pounds, yeah. I look back. He didn't make many appearances for them. Scored one goal in the FA Cup. See if you can guess who it was against. <laughs> Leeds, by any chance? A, a Yorkshire team, Sheffield United, actually. Oh, okay, in the right. third round of the FA Cup in 2014. But yeah, I mean, he's no um, he's no spring chicken, is he? At 31, um, so this is quite an experienced striker, Nicholas Lennius. Uh, big tall, at 1.96 meters, according to transfer marks. I'm guessing he scores a few with his head. He does, yeah. He's um, he he's one of the the kind of dying breed of uh, of old school number nines. So um, perhaps unfair to 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 group Jonas Wind in with that, but similarly kind of big physical presence. But um, uh, there, there was also um, Groening from uh, from Viborg who. And both of them left in January, uh, along with M- Mikhail Jura. So kind of three number nines all departed, which kind of left Hellenius uh, to, to, to mop up all of the many chances that Silkeborg create. Uh, and yeah, ended with 17 goals. A fantastic season for him. And um, he's got a real affinity with, with Kent Nielsen, the, uh, the Silkeborg manager. And I think that um, when I was talking about what a fantastic job Kent Nielsen is, is doing at Silkeborg. It's not just the it's not just the fact that he's found found a system, but you know he, he's he's managing to get uh, players like like Hellenius, who who you know perhaps been up and down over his career. He's, he's managing to get the very best out of them, um, and so I think that 
that it's just a he's he's just the perfect uh, perfect kind of profile uh, size and talent wise for, for for that Silkeborg team. So he, he's really kind of yeah found a, a, a great place after a number of um, number of moves. Do you think uh, it kind of reminds me of Thomas Lennon Olsen's season actually for Lellestrom in Norway last year? Uh, similar age uh, bracket as well. Do you think this kind of, uh, I'm not calling it a one-off season, but um, is it likely to get better for him? Can he maintain this again? Or is he going to sort of drop down a bit now, do you think? I think if uh, if, if the, the other two players in that front three uh, remain at Silkeborg next season, uh, I can't see why he, he can't do something similar. Just because the, the way they play, the way they're able to sort of drag defenders away, uh, and and uh, create space and and create chances for him. I think he's going to continue to to feast on that. And I I don't have the stats to hand, but I'm pretty sure that his um his xG was was quite close to the number of goals he scored. So it wasn't like he had a like a, a Darwin Nunes you know uh, massively outperforming his xG unsustainable season. This, this felt like um, the cl- close to what he was expected to score. So yeah, don't see why he can't uh, do the same again. His his game doesn't rely heavily on pace. Um, so yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean, I like that sort of striker. I must say, I can kind of feel that I'm leaning towards him already, Henry. <laughs> this is I want to be part of his supporters club. You know, <laughs> a big a big beast of a striker. You know, old school gets it done. He's my kind of my kind of guy yeah he, 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 despite this you know a bit, bit cliche good feet for a, for a big man but he, he is quite an elegant finisher you know he's not um he's not kind of bundling it over the line he, he has got some finesse there so yeah lovely player to watch well, i'm moving to manager the managers of the season now and i actually copy pasted this from the end of season itinerary i did for norway and sweden and I always do the top three, and then I suddenly realised that nearly half the league's going to be in this list, isn't it? <laughs> Twelve teams, but um, yes, manager or coach of the of the season. Um, let's start with your your bronze medal here, Henry. Who are you having as your uh, number three? So the bronze medal goes to Lars Fries, um, who started the season with Viborg, ended it with with Alborg. Um, so he, he's getting this bronze medal primarily for his astounding work at Viborg. Uh, and I think that, you know, ha- having had half a season to kind of bed in at Alborg, you know, we might see uh, a similar kind of swashbuckling attack from them uh, more consistently next season. But um, in, you know, another great piece of analysis uh, by uh, Bashir Ali, Viborg... V- um, had a similar level of chance creation as the top three, uh, but were just far less efficient. So, you know, that they, um, that, that, that kind of uh, problem with efficiency at converting ultimately hurt them. And that's why, that's why Viborg finished in seventh rather than um, uh, above that. And, you know, clearly Fries can't affect the ability to finish, you know, he can't be there to <laughs> kick the ball in the net, but um, he, what he can do is create the system that allows that number of chances to be created. And I think that that's what he did so effectively. Um, and, you know, he started very strongly at, at Alborg. He won five and eight. Um, uh, after that, p- perhaps not worth talking about in, in this particular conversation. But, um, yeah, I think that he uh, he was definitely uh, a breath of fresh air. And I think that 
you know, he was a big part of why why Viborg are going to be in, in Europe next season. Strong season. I kind of like it that we've got a manager that on the list here that's uh, two teams this year as well. <laughs> I don't think that's ever happened, actually, on any of these season reviews that we've done. I'm trying to think back. But, um, yeah, well done to him. Uh, who do you have in second place for your manager of the season? Uh, so in second place, I've got uh, Copenhagen's uh, Yes Thorup. Um, I think that expectations for, for the title in Copenhagen were, were perhaps never higher. Um, you know, they hadn't won it for a, a couple of years um, and he, he had to deal with quite a lot of setbacks. You know, he lost a large number of key players. He lost, uh, you know, uh, Durami uh, and Nelson um, in the summer and then lost uh, Jonas Wind in January. And on top of that, uh, his captain, Zeka, was out for most of the season with, uh, I believe it was a cruciate injury. And uh, the mercurial Rasmus Falk was also injured for a large part of the season. Um, and he also had to contend with the fact that, that uh, I, think he, I think he had to play four qualifying rounds just to get into Europe um, and then the group stages. So there was a huge number of games. Um, and so I think in that context, winning the league, you know, conceding only 19, Scoring 56, which, which, as you said, was only three behind the, the top scorers. I think that's a superb achievement. Um, in terms of the, the kind of the style, I, uh, how I would kind of characterize how, how Copenhagen played for large parts of last season, it was kind of like solid and, uh, you know, prioritizing winning, but like not always necessarily spectacular um, spectacularly beautiful football and I think that you know if there was a criticism of him it's perhaps he's um you know errs on the side of being a little bit too utilitarian um but a, a huge positive of what he's done there as well is it's brought through a lot of young players uh that there was um Hoyland who uh was sold in January actually to Sturm Graz and he's been one of the one of the top scorers in Austria um since that point um but then also, you know, uh, William Boving, um, you've got uh, Hakor Haraldsson, uh, Rooney Bargi, Victor Christiansen. You know, he, he's really blooding a lot of the, the um, academy products. Uh, and I think that that's very encouraging to see, you know, FC Co going from a, a, an older team to a younger one and, and, and winning the title and doing that. So, yeah, he's um, unlucky not to, not, to, uh, not to win manager of the season. But I think that... Um, I think that he's uh, yeah he he's put together an admirable performance. Yes, obviously um, has to be recognised, doesn't it? The job that he's done there is uh, sometimes obvious, isn't it? When a team wins the league as such, but the uh, and it almost uh, expected to win it, but the manager still has to get the job done. The players have to get the job done as well, of course. But uh, now, manager of the season, the gold medal from you, Henry. Um, who gets this accolade? Again, it, it will come as no surprise, but it's uh, Kent Nielsen of uh, Silkeborg. Um, obviously, a, a hugely renowned figure in, in Danish football as, as a player and a manager. Uh, uh, you know, as a manager, he, he, he guided Alborg to the title in, in 2013-14. Um, and, you know, this season, he's obviously taken, uh, promoted Silkeborg to third. Uh, but I think that it's not just finishing third. It's, you know, it's got the third best goal difference in the league as well. So they've, they've been worth that spot. But also, uh, they've played some of the, if not the best football in the league this season. Uh, with that 4-3-3 system with, you know, Brink anchoring and that dynamic front three of Valleys, Hellenius and Jorgensen. Um, so, yeah, very worthy winner. We've talked a lot about Silkeborg, but he's been, uh, 
he's been the the the, the architect of that success. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 60 years old and uh, he's coached his entire career in, in Denmark there. Um, very experienced manager. He's a, a bit surprised he's never ventured away from, from, from Denmark. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, a, it's a tricky one, that. Um, I guess some people are perhaps mm. uh, more comfortable um, being in the domestic league, but, you know, I, I don't know if he's had opportunities or not, but, I mean, certainly... Um, Certainly, I hope that he stays next season to kind of uh, see through this uh, this European campaign. But I think, yeah, that he's shown himself, you know, once again to be a fantastic manager. And I yeah. think that uh, that the, the the Belgian league and the the Dutch league um, tend to be, you know, places where people um, sort of make an upwards move from the Superliga. So uh, perhaps we could see something there, but pure speculation. Belgium, Nick. The, the Belgium nick players from Denmark as much as they do Norway and Sweden. Yeah, unfor- uh, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so well done there to Kent Nielsen, your manager of the season. Uh, now, it's that time where we have to do a flop of the season, Henry, and uh, this is where Jonathan kind of hides in his shell usually and I ask him and he gets... Uh, bit nervous but uh, this is where we can be brutal if needed now the flop of the season or flops of the season can be a player a club or even a manager actually have you got a flop of the season for this year i do and i feel like i might catch some flack for this uh <laughs> because so, 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 so let me explain um I, the reason i feel like i might catch some flack for this is because for large parts of the season uh this team were superb, uh, but for flop of the season, I'm going to say it was Alborg, specifically in the home straight of, in the in the home straight of the season. So just just hear me out. It, it's April. Uh, Lars Fries is in the driving seat at Alborg, so they they've they've bagged one of the the sort of upcoming managers in the league, and uh, not only that, he's come in and Alborg have won five of their first eight games under him, okay? They're, they're, they're sitting pretty with, according to Bookie's odds at the time, over 80% chance of finishing third, okay? Finishing third. Yeah. Uh, they then go on to, to lose six of their last eight. So they drop down to fifth. Uh, and ordinarily, fifth would not give you a place in Europe. But because FC Michelin won the cup, they were handed this lifeline. So all they had to do in a one-off game at home was beat Viborg, the team that Lars Fries will know <laughs> everything about. All they had to do was beat them for a place in Europe. And bear in mind, this Alborg team is extremely talented. They've got Jakob Rinner, uh, who was fantastic in goal. Uh, Pallison down the right-hand side, fantastic. Uh, we've, we, we talked about Pripp, but alongside him, uh, Ivor Fossum was fantastic. They've got a, a really one of the top holding midfielders in the league in Ferreira. Uh, they've got Makaric up front, who's uh, you know started delivering. So, uh, and they got Freeze in charge. So they've got this they've got this fantastic lineup. The game goes to penalties. Okay, goes to penalties. You still think there's a lot of technically gifted players. Who do they send up for the first penalty? The goalkeeper, uh, <laughs> and he misses. <laughs> and Alborg b- bottled the shootout 
uh, team of the season member Luca Pripp also missed, uh, unfortunately for him. But they lost the they lost the playoff. So having gone on this disastrous run, having looked at almost a certainty for third place, having dropped to fifth, they got this lifeline uh, against almost the perfect opposition in terms of you know that th- they they know where all the bodies are buried in that V-Ball team. They're playing at home in a one-off. Uh, and to, to, to lose in that fashion was just unfathomable. So they, they're my flop of the season, not for the season as a whole, where they were largely good, but for that, you know, guilt-edged opportunity to get a place in Europe. And they, they haven't played in Europe for, for a number of seasons. Guilt-edged opportunity, and, uh, and they blew it. So that is my flop of the season uh, for really that kind of that period uh, in the home straight so this is rather unique henry i must say so we've got you actually have a manager giving third third best manager of the season and then his own team are the flop of the season <laughs> later, later on. i mean this is remarkable stuff but I, this is a horrible run i must say i'm looking at the, this run now and you know i get their fans must be pretty damn good about yeah. like a shoeing of a European spot. If they've not been in Europe for a while, then yeah, this is. I mean, they've gone on the holidays too early, haven't they? Simple as that. I think so. Um, um, so so yeah. <laughs> incredible That's... stuff. Incredible stuff. So there you go. The flop of the season. Arbog's last seven eight games. Simple as that. So uh, well, that just about brings us towards the end. But. Um, Incredibly, we'll be doing a Super League and preview show in not too, uh, not too, <laughs> not too much, uh, not not too distant future, Henry. Because like the season ends and it's only just about going to start beginning. Um, July the tenth, was it? I was looking something like that um, for the next uh, the start of the uh, Super League and season. What what is on the horizon now? I mean, obviously the transfer window is in place. Is the I mean, have teams got to fit in a lot of business in a short space of time? Um, very, very quick turnaround indeed. Hardly room to breathe. Yeah, we've we got the early stages of the um, European competitions, mm. obviously, coming in. Uh, and with this very strange season coming up where we've got the World Cup beginning in November and um, trying to fit everything in around that, I, I think the fact that, that Denmark has that long winter break will... Um, alleviate the, the the sort of major um, pain points that other leagues will be feeling around that that Winter World Cup. But yeah, we we I think as I said earlier that the um, the January transfer window this season was extraordinary. There was just so much movement, so many so many transfers in and out. And, and I think now what we're left with is you know fewer big names uh, to, to 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 trade with. So maybe famous last words, but I feel like this summer's window is going to be less crazy than January. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Michelin will be itching to uh, itching to get back out there and, and try for the title. Um, you know, Copenhagen will be hoping to have a bit more um, uh, con- consistency of personnel over the season, you know, um, fewer injuries, fewer, fewer transfers and really sort of look to build on what they've, done um you know it's going to be fascinating to see silkeborg and viborg um uh in europe and yeah there's there's, there's lots of interesting um stories to come so i will uh 
I, I will um, think long and hard ahead of the, the season preview. But I've already I've already identified my my ten players to watch for next season. Already, so my word, you are on the ball. I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a few long car journeys to uh, to, to sort of mull it over. So that is cooking, um, and yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to sharing that as part of the preview. Now we've obviously been. D- delighted uh, to have you on the nordic football podcast over the last 12 months i think it is now roughly um and um you've also now taken up some writing as well uh, henry i do believe you've got your own blog website and i actually read the most recent post the road trip post now i've got to admit i thought it was quite good um i'm i'm quite um quite fussy over reading blogs i'll be honest sometimes i read like the first paragraph of a blog and i get a bit impatient um but you actually managed to keep me captivated i read right until the end so yes it, it meets with my approval tell us a bit more about your blog and uh, where to find it and everything the check is in the post steve <laughs> appreciate that um <laughs> uh yeah, I, I, I think I just decided that um, there were a few things that I wanted to expand on. Um, and talking about that particular trip last last year would have just taken forever doing it as a, a Twitter thread. So I thought I would take the time, uh, set up a set up a website. And uh, I'm not planning on I'm not planning on being super regular with the posting. So it's not going to be certainly not going to be daily, probably won't be weekly. But I'm hoping that each month there'll be a few pieces of content for, for people to get into. Um, I'm, I'm planning a few articles at the moment, and I'd rather focus on quality rather than quantity, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, the, the website is footballindenmark.com. And uh, come along, have a read, let me know what you think. And, yeah, if there's any subjects or topics that you think would be interesting to, to, to dip into, I will endeavour to, um, to come up with something. But... Yeah, it's just uh, it, it's nice to have a, a bit of a long form outlet uh, for when I can squirrel away time to to write something. Yes, and do give Henry a follow on Twitter at football in DK if you don't already. It's a very very good Twitter account. I must say, um, there's some great t- content and tweets from you, uh, Henry here, and uh, you really have uh, seen me go from strength to strength. Like I said, we are very. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show um, sometimes. So uh, we thank you for your great appearances on the Nordic Football Podcast for the last uh, 12 months. We look forward to another season in Denmark coming up soon. And, uh, uh, you know, if you're up for it, we'll get that preview done in about, what, four weeks? Yeah, let's do it. Thank you. It's been, uh, been yeah, a huge pleasure to, to join you guys this season. Um, and... Uh, I, I, I can't I can't compete with your uh, in-depth coverage of, of Norway and Sweden, but I can uh, I can certainly um, aspire to. So yeah, you can but... certainly compete with us in, in Denmark, <laughs> mate. And absolutely, very it's, it's superb. It really is. If you want a, a great uh, English take on the football in Denmark, Henry is your man. So yeah, hope you all enjoyed that season uh, review episode uh, from the Danish Super League. Remember follow the podcast if you don't already uh, at nordic football you can follow me at meet man soccer jonathan who's not with us today at jf football and henry at football in dk so until next time and until next season in terms of denmark 
we will see you again soon. Take care, everyone. Goodbye.